Good morning and God bless everybody. This is Stephen at Feet for Thoughts. It is Wednesday, the 12th of July, 2017. Today, I would like to talk about why we homeschool. So stay tuned. Overwhelming majority of the Christian community makes the exact same educational choice. Some 90% of people who call themselves born again, blood-washed, Christ followers, make the exact same educational choice. I don't think there's anything else that 90% of Christians do. Together, same choice. I, I just don't, I just don't, you get anything, you bring up any theological issue and try to get 90% of Christians to agree. I mean, well, you know, okay, we, 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 the deity of Christ and we're, you know, that, that's, other than that, which Bible are you going to use? It, fight to the death over which Bible you're going to use, okay? Uh, what, what, which denomination are you going to be a part of? Duke it out there too. But 90% make the exact same educational choice. Good morning, everybody. This is Stephen Davis at Feet for Thoughts. Um, been wanting to do this broadcast for a while. Uh, tackle this topic for several days now. Um, decided to do it now. Um, got the kids with me in the house. My wife is out today, so they may dip in and out and make some noise. We will see. <laughs> but um, yeah, um, wanted to talk about this topic. Uh, not only just to share why we decided to do it. I think this is also very much for me a way of getting all of my thoughts down because even though homeschooling has been on my heart for several years now um, I think to really get down all my thoughts in kind of a concrete coherent way I haven't necessarily done it's been a conviction that I've had for a while but in terms of really um, gathering my thoughts noting them down so that if anyone were to ask me I would actually know what to say um, this is, I guess, kind of helping towards that. So even now, it's not necessarily going to be a complete thesis. I'm not necessarily going to go in depth on everything, but I did want to give the reasons why I decided to homeschool. And those reasons are um, gathered into two categories. So first of all, there's the scriptural reasons that I felt the conviction to uh, decide to homeschool our children. And secondly are some of the, I would say they're scriptural related, but they're kind of philosophical reasons. Um, then in addition to that, there are other reasons, but whether I get into those reasons or not, we will see. But I guess to give a bit of background, um, homeschooling was not something I would have envisioned before um, getting married and having children. But you know, when you know me and my wife got together and we started courting, homeschooling wasn't in my mind. Um, I had... Uh, family members who were homeschooling so two of my cousins are homeschooling um the two, two cousins who were married they're married from opposite ends of the family so don't freak out um uh, so one of them is my dad's nephew and my mom's niece uh but either way they decided to homeschool and at the time i thought they were absolutely insane um I was just like, why would you do such a thing? You know, what about being salt and light? What about, you know, uh, being an influence on their peers? And, you know, it just didn't make sense to me. And so I thought they were crazy. So when I just, you know, when I got the conviction to want to homeschool, and, you know, I got the conviction before my wife did. So 
you know, <laughs> in many ways, um, my wife has had to catch up with her husband on this. Normally, you know, from many other people that I've spoken to and things that I've read, normally it tends to be the wife that tends to push um, homeschooling. But for us, it was the opposite. It was me who was like, no, we, we need to do this. Um, and, I, you know, when my wife got pregnant with our first child, um, she was ironically working in a school. So she was working as a teaching assistant. Um, so... And at first, I think my desire was more so expressed in like, you know, I would love you to actually be at home with our child. And I think she felt, you know, similarly, I mean, it was a hard decision for her because she wanted to go into teaching. So, you know, I think she literally had an interview for a teaching position or to start a teaching course when, you know, she got pregnant. So obviously she had to put that aside. Um, so it wasn't an easy decision for us to agree on. And it wasn't even a, a source of contention for a while. But I really felt strongly that this was something we needed to do. And I'm going to go into the reasons as to why that was. So the man that you heard speaking there at the beginning, that's Dr. Vody Balcom. Um, and I can credit him very much with giving me the final conviction to actually do this. But it didn't really start with him. It actually started with um, stumbling across creationist views and young earth creationist teachings, specifically um, ingesting the material from Answers in Genesis and just realizing that, you know what, there is a way to actually look at the world through a biblical lens and that I didn't have to interpret um, all of the evidence that you see in the world, all of the facts and archaeology and fossils and geography and all that stuff through the lens of uh, humanism, evolutionism, uh, uniformitarianism and all of that stuff, it was realizing, you know what, there is a biblical way to view this stuff and it actually makes sense. So what happened coming out of that is that I really felt, man, if only I had known this stuff, if only I had been able to grow up having this mindset, having this lens through which to look at the world. Um, and that first put the desire in my heart that, you know what, I want my children to grow up knowing this stuff, knowing, you know what, this is what the world teaches, but there is another way to look at all of this stuff that makes sense of all the evidence we see. Um, so that was the first kind of drip in the ocean for me that put the idea in my head, but Back then, I guess it was just, you know what, I want to teach this stuff to my children. Um, but it wasn't until really I watched this presentation by Buddy Balcom. Uh, it's part of a it's a two-part presentation. Um, the whole thing is called Children of Caesar. Uh, but this particular section was called He Who Controls the Schools Controls the World. Um, and that really gave me the biblical conviction that the education of my children is my God-given responsibility as a father and as a parent, not the state's. And just um, obviously the, through subsequent study, you know, just realizing the truth that this isn't something that we've done for a long time. Public state school has a very short history. It's only existed for about, you know, 150 to 200 years. Um, it's not something that's been around for a long time. Um, so, you know, I really got the God-given conviction. You can hear my kids in the background. I really got the God-given conviction to do this um, after um, 
watching this presentation by Body Balcom and hearing the scriptural reasons um, that he gave for why this was the right thing to do. But yeah, so the scriptural reasons for why we homeschool, why I specifically felt the conviction that we needed to homeschool. Um, Firstly, is 1 Timothy 2, 3 to 4, which says, This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Saviour, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Um, and you know what? God doesn't just desire faith that leads to salvation, but he also desires truth. And the truth is, we as Christians specifically, have given truth to man, the world, and the devil, and left only faith to the church. In other words, parents accept that they are responsible for teaching children about faith, about religion, about spirituality, but they have given over truth to the enemy. In effect, we allow the enemy to tell us, you are not qualified to teach your children truth, but only faith. Therefore, we have to send our children to the state for the state to teach them truth. And we will just relegate teaching them faith and we will relegate it to a couple of hours on a Sunday and maybe a few minutes of discussion during the week. Um, but is this really true? According to the scripture, no, like, you know, God desires that we not only be saved, that we not only have you know, knowledge of faith, but that we have knowledge of truth and all truth is defined by God. Um, so the irony is that all parents homeschool. This was something I realized um, in the first year of my son's life. The difference between a homeschooling parent and a non-homeschooling parent is that at some point the non-homeschooling parent stopped homeschooling and decided to let the state take over. Um, you know, most parents actually teach their children to do something that most adults find difficult, which is learning a new language. Um, and not only that, chances are you you know we teach them to count, to recognize colors, to recognize words, people, places. You know, parents teach their children a lot more than they think they do. And, and the thing is that um, the neural development of a child hits its peak apparently at about a year and a half. So at that age, when a parent is, you know, spending a lot of time with their child, um, their child is learning at a rate that they will not learn at ever again. And few parents really see this as a time to invest in their child um, and so that was the first thing we did was really trying to invest in our son's language development within the first six months uh, we used a program called you know your baby can read um, which was really great and he was able to start recognizing words and expressing himself you know really quite early I mean he, did, he didn't stop babbling really until he, from when he was two months old he was already trying to form words and communicate and what have you most of that just came out as gurgles and burps but you know um but yeah so parents teach their children a lot more than they think they do and that's kind of one of the deceptions that we're told you know we're told that we can't teach our children that we're not qualified to teach our children that we're not able to teach our children um but that's bearing you know bearing in mind that the majority of what children learn is through observation of their parents you know what is lived out by their parents not by what they say but by what they do which is why your child will always be the first person to point out your hypocrisy you know um like uh, you know my son, my son challenged me the other day i was i was telling him to share a toy with his sister and what was his response but you don't always share your iphone daddy <laughs> 
So, you know, your child is, they're, they're on the ball, they're able to spot this stuff because they observe your behavior. You know, and that's why Jesus didn't just sit down reading the Old Testament to the 12. They lived with him and they walked with him for a number of years. They observed his behavior. The second text I wanted to look at was 2 Corinthians 10 verses 4 to 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Now, subjects like English, math, science, history, geography, languages, and even music all involve thought. And the scripture is telling us to take every thought captive to obey Christ and to destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. Um, we know that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge. So it is by, you know, understanding the biblical worldview that we can truly see everything for what it is. So even the way we think about these things needs to be taken captive to Christ. Um, and it was actually realizing that, you know what, uh, biblical scripture lays the framework in like, I'm not saying that the Bible is uh, an English textbook or a science textbook or a maths textbook, but it gives you the framework and the worldview in which these things make sense. You know, like you know, that God is in mathematics and, you know, I wouldn't have realized that. And I didn't truly understand that even until a few years back and I stumbled on a video by a guy called Dr. Jason Lyle where he talked about God and fractals and that blew my mind because he just showed the design of maths and God's fingerprint in mathematics and you need something like mathematics to even make music work. St. Augustine who's known for his theological work wrote about I think six volumes on music and the sixth volume is where he really laid out the foundation for music theory that laid the foundation for all music theory today and he was talking about how music is fine-tuned it's mathematical that God has fine-tuned the universe so that you have to take a string you have to tighten it a particular way um, in order to produce a specific note it's mathematical when you understand those things you realize how much God is you know in everything that he you know everything comes back to him in one way or another languages mathematics science which really means knowledge history geography languages all of those things come from our god um first scripture is colossians 2 8 beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men according to the basic principles of the world and not according to christ it's a basic worldview scripture our worldview needs to be conformed to the biblical worldview um, in order to truly live as we ought to live and understand things as we ought to understand them. So all of these scriptures together really just showed me that the way that we think about everything needs to be taken captive to Christ. And for those who know about feet for thoughts, 2 Corinthians 10, 4-5 is my scripture, taking every thought captive to Christ. But the scripture that really brought it home for me and really convicted my heart and really set it in stone that I needed to homeschool was Luke chapter 6 verse 40 which says a disciple is not above his teacher but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher and Dr. Freddy Balcom really um, drove it home when he said the following he said if you send your children to Caesar don't be surprised when they come back as Romans 
And if there's one thing that we are seeing as the body of Christ is that we are losing the majority of our children as early as in the States high school or in the UK secondary school. By the time our children reach that point, most of us, most of them have already been lost. They have already been you know, lost to a anti-Christian, secular humanistic worldview. Now this is a generalization, it's not saying that every child who enters the public school system will end up like this, but truth be told, the vast majority will have their biblical worldview completely shattered by public school. And the reason for this is really simple. Your leaders aren't always the people you call leaders. Your teachers aren't always the people you call teachers. Your leaders are those who most influence your beliefs and your behavior. So no disciple is above his teacher, but everyone who's perfectly trained will be like his teacher. So if we are sending our children to the public school where they are teaching a non-Christian, secular, humanistic worldview, then every child when he is fully trained will be like his teacher they will have a secular humanist anti-christian worldview um and just looking at the state of school now obviously i'm, I'm in my 30s now i haven't been in school for like 18 years 15 years but um just seeing what's going on in the world nowadays and, and in the school system just drove this point home even more that they are after our children the world is after our children um, and when you think about what we're competing with, obviously many people will say, you know, we, yeah, we work, you know, to sit down with our children and to find out what they're learning and, you know, really try and counter the falsehood that's coming in. And, and you know, many parents do that well and, and do it greatly. And, you know, God bless for your diligence and what you're doing with the children. But if we're speaking on average, you know, on average, your child is spending 30 hours a week in school and about another 10 hours on homework. In contrast, on average, we're spending about two hours a week to undo 40 hours of indoctrination. And that's not taken into account time spent with peers, leisure, extracurricular activities. There simply isn't enough time in the day to counteract the falsehood that's being fed to our children. And for me, it was just, well, okay, there's two ways I can look at this. Either I can try and fight against the falsehood or I can just stop feeding them the falsehood in the first place do not send them to the place where they're gonna receive all the falsehood and just try and build up that foundation um, from home where it's not gonna be counteracted and where we can control what content is coming in and what content our children are receiving um, but the next scripture was Deuteronomy 6 verse 6 to 7 and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart you shall teach them diligently to your children and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. So in other words, when you go about your day, when you wake up and when you go to sleep. Um, and this raised a question for me, is there any part of the day that's excluded? You know, the Lord wants us to be able to talk about these things and talk about his precepts 24-7 and to live them out and to nurture that character. Um, to raise our children within that environment um, and you know it raises the question what is the best environment for me to fulfill these requirements you know these are God-given requirements next one is is similar Ephesians 6 4 fathers do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord where best can I do this can I do this most effectively if I send my if I relinquish my responsibility as a father and allow someone else to parent my children or if I keep them in the home and do it myself. 
with my wife? What's the best place to do this? You know, and, and this scripture in particular drove home that it's the father's responsibility to make sure his children are raised in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, not the state and not even the mother. Um, therefore, this is a decision that I had to lead on, you know, that I had to take the lead on this. Um, when my children stand before God, it won't be my wife who's held responsible, it'll be me. And that drove home to me the seriousness of this, that, you know, how my children end up ultimately, yes, um, you will not be pun you know, child won't be punished for the sins of their father, and neither will a father be punished for the sins of the child. But I will still have to answer for what I allowed to happen to my children. Like God has given them to me, um, you know, as as a gift, number one. But also, they're His. At the end of the day, they're His children. He's given me the responsibility to raise them how He would want me to raise them. And if I shirk my responsibility. I'm going to have to answer to him at the end of the day. And that brings us to the next um, scripture that I had on my list, which was Proverbs 22 and verse 15. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. And this relates to the number one question that you, know, you always get when people find out that you homeschool, which is what about socialization? Um, now, according to scripture, the heart of a child has foolishness bound up in it. So I personally didn't want a group of 30 or more children with foolishness bound in their hearts to influence and disciple my children. Um, you cannot separate education and discipleship. So whoever is educating your children is discipling them. And the same goes for their peer groups. They are, in, they are influenced more so by their peers um, and their teachers in school than they will be by their parents at home. So again do i want to try and counteract that or do i want to just nip it in the bud where i can um so those were really the the scriptures that i had in mind um but there were other reasons you know related to the whole you know socialization thing doing some research in the uk and just kind of thinking about things i came across um this note about this subject that we have in in uk secondary school it's called pshe or personal social health education and um, so this was from Wikipedia it says PSHE education is defined by the school's inspector at Ofsted as a planned program to help children and young people develop fully as individuals and as members of families and social and economic communities its goal is to equip young people with the knowledge understanding attitudes and practical skills to live healthily safely productively and responsibly so in other words this subject was put in secondary schools to teach your children how to socialize, number one, and to give them the skills to be productive members of society. So in other words, how to get jobs. Now, when I thought about this, most people are sending their children to school to fulfill both of those things. Number one, to socialize them, and number two, to prepare them for work. Yet, they have to devote a specific subject in school to teach children exactly how to do that so the question that, that i needed to ask myself was if public school is such a perfect place for socializing your children why does it need a subject such as pshe why does it need a subject to teach your children social skills why why would we need a subject to teach your children how to write a resume or a cv or how to get a job interview skills like you know they had to devote an entire subject just to that why because the rest of the school curriculum wasn't doing that 
public school doesn't actually prepare you for real life. At no other time in your life will you be in a room with 30 to 40 other people the same age as you. Think about it. When was the last time you were in a room with people who were all the same age? That's why going to uni was such a shock for me. Because I got into uni, I was 19 years old and there were people in my class who were in their 50s and 60s. I was like, what? You know, but public school doesn't teach you how to relate to other age groups. It's a room full of 30 other children. You know, is a room full of 30 other children really the best influence on your child's behavior and your child's social skills? Because all you are learning how to do is to associate with people your own age. Um, and that just isn't, you know, it's, it's just not conducive to actually living in, you know, in this world and in this life. Um, it doesn't give you the skills necessary to engage with the world. And so that, again, was just another reason for me why um, public school was just not going to be the solution for my children. Now, on top of all of this, I mean, one thing I've realized through reading and, and, and through studying and meditation on it and what have you is that homeschooling isn't just about information. Ultimately, it's about building character. I mean, you can have all the information in the world and yet lack character. And the family is the God-ordained institution put in place to nurture and develop our character. And we say this all the time about marriage, for example, or about having children, um, but we never say it about education. We look at you know, marriage and, and having children as this great way to shape character, to expose your selfishness, to expose your character flaws, and God's ordained, ordained means to work those things out of us. But we never say the same thing about education in the family. We never see the family as the environment, the perfect environment to raise and nurture the character of our children. Because true education will build character, nurture, and instruct. It's not just about giving information because information is a tool. Character is how you use the tool. You know, a saying I came across a couple of years back was knowledge is knowing that tomato is a fruit but wisdom is not putting it in a fruit salad. So home education is not just about knowledge, but about wisdom. And this plays precisely into the area of socialization. Most people think of socialization as happening, as knowing how to make friends and talk to people. And we think children are socialized because they know how to talk to a single age group, i.e. their own. But really and truly, socialization is bound up within the second greatest commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. The heart of the law is about how you treat your fellow human beings. And what better environment to learn that than the family? Why? Because you cannot run away from your issues. Just like in marriage, that's one of the things you realize is now you come together and you live in one place. If you have beef, you can't just run away. Some people, yeah, they do. They'll just leave the house and run off somewhere. But generally, you live in the same space. You have to deal with your issues. You can't run away with them. And, you know, we, so we recognize this for marriage and we see the value of it in the rest of our lives, but not in the education and nurture and the building of the character of our children. So it was realizing the value of my children being nurtured as a family unit that solidified my stance. I wanted to build their character and really change my priorities from knowing facts and information to having character. Because, you know, the Bible is rife with people who have had knowledge but didn't have character or had skills but didn't have character so the first most important thing for me is I want my children to have 
godly character in the book of Malachi that's why God says he made man and woman one and gave them one spirit why because he wanted godly offspring not intelligent offspring but godly offspring so it's very important um so you know home education also it builds relationships uh, and i'm not saying i want to be buddy buddy with my children or be my children's best friend but i want us to have a good enough relationship that they'll trust me with their struggles or that they will trust my opinion when it comes to you know when they decide to get married that you know hopefully i'll be a, you know me and my wife will be able to have some input and they'll respect our input that they'll actually come to us for our approval or you know our advice and again what better environment is there to cultivate that than you know the family unit and truth be told you know no one knows your children better than you and the current age segregated system is built on applying evolutionary theory to a child's development so in other words an eight-year-old is more evolved than a six-year-old so they shouldn't share a classroom yet almost all of our education systems pre-college are built on this assumption even sunday school is built on this assumption even youth ministry is built on this assumption that we have to divide children up by age group but no one realizes that the root of that is actually flawed evolutionary theory so what ends up happening is that the individual needs pace and personality of a child is neglected in favor of the framework you know each child is unique each child develops at their own pace and has their own style of learning some are visual learners some are tactile kinetic learners um, some are audio learners you know they learn through hearing more so or song or some learn by doing others learn by reading um, and I wanted my, ch my children to have the best education which meant I couldn't put them in a class where they are competing with 29 other students for the attention of one teacher in the home me and my wife can give them full attention and one, th one of the things we've learned is that at this age so my son is four years old my daughter is three years old at this age he only needs 90 minutes a day of intense well not even intense just you know focused teaching and we've seen him grow leaps and bounds just from that like he will learn things and he'll grasp them at you know in the click of a finger just because we spent an hour and a half throughout the day not even have to be like a dedicated block like it could be 15 20 minutes spread out throughout the day and he will benefit far more from that and you can see his growth and my daughter picks up on what we teach him so we focus on him but she picks up what he picks up so you know they they both grow in that way um and it's really wonderful to see and it, and it helps again nurture that relationship between a parent and child and the great thing about it is you don't even have to stay in your house to do this like you know every moment is a teaching opportunity if you're out shopping it's a time to teach your child about mathematics to teach them about the importance of money and you know um, using your money wisely uh, if we're out driving through you can just point out the scenery and look there's a bus and the color of the bus oh it's red you know oh look there's a goat there's a sheep there's a cow you know you're, you're categorizing animals and oh you know those animals are all mammals or these animals in the pond these are fishes because they have scales and fins like everything is a teaching opportunity um, and you can do it anywhere you're not confined to your home and you're not confined to a time scale it's great you can do it in your pjs you know it's wonderful um but another reason is for you know for me wanting to homeschool is i want to protect my children until they're fully equipped um and this often comes with a charge of sheltering you know many people will bring up the passage like i did myself about being salt and light 
but at a young age uh, that's a lot of responsibility to put on our children you know in in terms of you know as well as you know their studies as well as competing with peer pressure and all of those other things now we want to put on them the extra burden of being salt and light and some people use um, i believe titus 2 as an example about you know older men uh, being examples to younger men and older women being examples to younger women and they say you know our children need to be examples completely removing that passage from its context where it's about the older people being examples to the younger our children you know that's a lot to expect from them and I don't think that they are necessarily fully equipped to do that to the max now they can be salt and light by their example and by the way that they are but do we want to put unnecessary burden upon them um I personally don't so I don't want to give them that added pressure but you know think about it like people yeah in light of that will charge you know your shelter and your children or what have you but we understand that there's you know, age-appropriate clothing, age-appropriate practices, age-appropriate movies and music, and we will make, take steps to shelter our children from this content. You know, so we want to protect our children from th certain things until we deem that they are ready and equipped to deal with them. Um, yet we don't apply the same rationale to ideologies and worldviews, you know, um, and ideologies and worldviews can be far more destructive sometimes than just simply seeing certain things or hearing certain things because, you know, especially when it comes to movies and music, there's ideologies and worldviews attached to them. And if we're not protecting our children from ways of thinking that are ultimately destructive, um, like what are we doing you know um so i want my children in light of this to be fully equipped to deal with things like secular humanism and evolutionary theory i'm gonna teach them this stuff you know uh, you know i equip them not by hiding these views from them but by walking them through them in an environment where we can break it down logically where it's not just being shoved down their throat as though you can't dissent from this you can't disagree with this no i want to teach them to logically evaluate all the claims being made and compare it to what you know we see in reality and what we see in scripture and i'm 100 confident that you know scripture will bear the load of that um so I want to teach my children uh, to logically critique these ideologies. To do that, they need to understand them, but not through a system that seeks to indoctrinate them. Indoctrination is fine if it's the truth, but if it's not the truth, then you know we don't want to indoctrinate them in that way. Um, and finally, I want my children to grow up seeing the world through the eyes of Christ, as I said at the beginning, because this is something I never got to do, uh, realizing that I could see English, math, science, history, and even geography through the eyes of Christ, understanding how his power and providence is involved in, in each of these things. Like I never got that opportunity and I want my children to have the opportunity to see the world through the eyes of Christ and see how beautiful the world is through the eyes of Christ. Um, and it would have made me far more interested in many of these subjects. I probably would have done a lot more. I probably would have done a lot better at them if I had known that they all had redemptive value. And by redemptive, I mean that through mastering these disciplines, we can fulfill the mandate of Genesis 1.26 to be images of God's sovereignty, conforming this world to his blueprint, solving creation's challenges through our God-given creativity and ingenuity. Um, and ultimately, that is the reason why... Um, I felt the conviction to homeschool. These are the reasons I hold to now of why I want to homeschool as well as the problems I see in the modern uh, state school system, as well as the ideologies they're trying to force, as well as things like trying to teach sex education to five-year-olds um, and all of the you know, 
LGBTQ RST issues that are coming along with it as well. Um, yeah, the, yeah, all of those things coupled together, um, as well as everything that I mentioned, are the reasons why I felt a strong conviction to homeschool. But ultimately, it's because I believed it was the biblical thing to do, not just oh, this is my choice, but I actually think that this is my biblical God-given responsibility. Whether anyone agrees or disagrees, that's entirely up to them. And by all means, if you have thoughts, if, if you have disagreements, I would love to hear your feedback and I'd love to hear your views. Um, but otherwise, that brings us to the end of this segment, uh, the end of this episode. Um, thanks for everyone who is listening on Anchor. If you're not listening on Anchor, I highly recommend you download the Anchor app. It's available on iTunes and I believe in the Google Play Store because through the Anchor app, you can favor the station, you can give applause and you can call in. If you're listening on iTunes, then you are, you know, on iTunes podcast and you are, a, you know, an MVP. But by all means, download the Anchor app because you may have something to say as well. And this may be a great platform for you to get your views across. But otherwise, people, that brings us to the end of today's episode. So thank you for listening. This is Stephen at Feet Four Thoughts. Remember to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Feet Four Thoughts. That is Feet Four Thoughts on Instagram and on Twitter. If you have enjoyed the content, please share. Um, give those claps and by all means call in i would love to hear from you but to sign us off i would like to get my beautiful seed to say goodbye so children i want you to say bye-bye to everyone on anchor say bye-bye anchor bye-bye anchor thank you peeps have a great day Hey, Steven, this is Travis, man. Thank you so much for that discussion on why you guys homeschool. Uh, that was really uh, enjoyable. My wife and I homeschool our son, Noah. He's seven and uh, just finished up first grade. And, you know, it's been a new experience for us. Uh, we both were uh, in public school situations uh, growing up, you know, as kids. And uh, a lot of the same thought processes uh, behind our decision to homeschool our son that you had expressed in the call. So I really appreciate that. Um, that's a great topic, man. I'd love to hear more insight from you guys, what's working for you, what kind of curriculum are you guys using, how are you guys structuring that, uh, just to see uh, how that's going. I think that definitely applies to a lot of people. But certainly for us, it was the right decision. We've enjoyed it. We've loved it. So I appreciate the, uh, uh, the topic. God bless you, man. Keep up the good work. Hey Travis, thank you for your call. Um, appreciate your thoughts and feedback, and yeah, praise God that you 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 guys made that decision to homeschool your child. I mean, that must have been a difficult transitioning from already being in public school to then homeschooling. I'd love to hear how you know your child actually found the transition over. Um, yeah, in terms of things like curriculum, um, at the moment we're primarily using two. Uh, we don't really use them on a strict day by day basis. We kind of see how things go really. Um, but they're both by a lady called Valerie Mathintic, um, who does, uh, Christian preschool printables. So obviously my son is four years old, my daughter is three. So, um, you know, we don't really use heavy intensive curriculums with them at the moment. Um, in talking with my wife, we think we're going to wait probably until our son is about seven years old, six years old, 
Um, I guess our focus right now is getting him to learn to read and write and count. Um, so we primarily focus on those areas. But the two curriculums we use, one is called Bible ABC. Um, and that's uh, you get a, a letter that the child will focus on per week and they'll have words to do with that letter it also talk about the character of god and other biblical themes and there's like little games and the like to play with and the other one we use is called read uh ready eager able and determined to read uh, again both of them by valerie mcclintick from uh, christian preschool printables and i think she also has another website called kindergarten mum and maybe preschoolmum.com I think she has several of those those websites before that we were using as I said um, in the broadcast a program called Your Baby Can Read which is a series of about five DVDs um, and that was produced by a guy called uh, Dr. Robert Titzer and that was really cool for obviously our child's early development we used it more with our son than with our daughter um, <laughs> I think that might be primary possibly because she was a second born so with our son we could focus a lot more on him with her we, you know juggling two children it wasn't as easy to focus um but yeah so that's that's what we use uh, at the moment alongside that other things we've done with our son uh, we've used a lot of um bible adventure which is a animated show produced by uversion um the people who do the uversion bible app uh, my children both really enjoy that so that's given them a lot of knowledge in terms of uh, you know stories and narratives in scripture um there's also a couple of programs over here in the uk that have helped my son out so one of them is called alpha blocks and another one's called number blocks um so they're both animated shows one to do with spelling and phonetics the other one to do with counting so he really loves those um and also another show called allegories which is um christian cartoon biblical themes but uh, told through the lives of a group of owls um yeah so that's that's really what we use at the moment um my intention once their children are older is to start using some of the answers in genesis curriculums um my family members who homeschool they're using some of them at the moment so would hopefully uh want to get involved in that as well but um yeah i'd love to hear more about what you guys are also using as well and thanks again for your call god bless oh yeah you also asked about um scheduling um yeah that's an interesting topic <laughs> my wife is very much a person of schedules and i'm very much a person of objectives so i'm a bit more laid back with schedule for me it's more like what is the objective today and we would just fit that in where we can fit it whereas my wife is more of the hour by hour minute by minute person um but what we found is because of the lifestyle that we live having a strictly structured method doesn't always work because um things sometimes just come up you know and you know the entire day will be thrown off because you know she's trying to be too structured and um you know believe that the lord really impressed on her um specifically but i guess i kind of thought the same thing was to allow the holy spirit to be our schedule so to really just go um with the leading of the lord and yeah there'll, there'll be because there'll be days where things will just flow beautifully and then there'll be days when they just don't or when we have to 
you know go out somewhere so today's a perfect example my wife had to go and help out my in-laws with something and obviously i'm here with the children i work from home so um there's not so much there's only so much we could get done today um so yeah so at the moment that's kind of kind of how it is we have kind of a rough framework we my wife actually printed out a schedule and stuck it on the wall um and then we walk past it every day and barely glance at it so <laughs> so yeah um but we'll see we'll see how things go